0: All
1: elite. For everything you need to know about mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.
2: Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number.
0: <laughs> foot back. It begins with a U, it ends with an a, a meal night Raw, ah! one. All right. welcome
1: everyone to the Culterholic Classic Raw review as the other Culter lads get ready for full gear. We are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean. Very empty gear, somewhere in the year 1995. Who wee, I be fake Geordie. Radio presenter without portfolio. Former Cultaholic heavyweight champion, Tom Campbell. And I am with, or Avec as they say in France, the bear in the big blue bar cage. Titan shrugged of Cultaholic, the head pen of Cultaholic, the man whose requirement or a pencil is snubbed because one it could lead to election fraud and two he only needs a pen he gets it right every time he is justin henry and he is off of war-torn america
3: and based on the day we're recording here happy birthday coltaholic!
1: happy birth to flipping cultaholic that crept up didn't it i tell you there's two things that have crept up during this hellscape of a year the 100th episode of monday night raw which is apparently next week and the anniversary of cultaholic like how has that happened well it's got to be someday during the year right <laughs> exactly i just I, I guess with everything else going on it was just forgotten about and it was only when i saw a few people mention it uh, on on twitter i was like oh oh gosh it is isn't it
3: <laughs> i feel like i didn't even
1: get it a cake
3: well, in the words of Andre the Giant, when he interrupted Hulk Hogan during the um, infamous, infamous Piper's Pit, three years is a long time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and in the immortal words of Andre the Giant, I will be the WWF World Tag Team Champion,
3: Ted DiBliassis. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in the more words, Andre the Giant. Anybody want to <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. That's, that's more, more in keeping with our it boy. It dude.
3: mostly
1: can you remember your very first day working for Cultaholic?
3: Sure, i it stood that way.
1: Okay, so it goes like this. Can you remember your very first day at Cultaholic? Uh,
3: actually, yeah, it, it was just a very mundane February afternoon in 2018. I was still overcoming the hangover, not literal, of the Eagles winning their first ever Super Bowl, so I was on cloud nine anyway. And talking with Mr. Pacitti, he's, he was talking about some scripts he needed for our YouTube channel. And he suggested, like, I think it was the 10 most extreme moments ever in the Elimination Chamber because the pay-per-view was coming up. I hashed out a script in a matter of a few hours, about three or four, in fact. He was impressed with it, and we went from there. Soon I was handling some of the social media. I was writing more scripts. And eventually I was proposing a podcast, which, of course, you now do with me.
1: Wowzers. And then the rest is history. So this podcast is almost as old as Cultaholic itself.
3: Uh, almost. Well, oh. actually, I mean, our pocket. It's about eight months younger, but nonetheless.
1: Well, it was well, basically hey. Cultaholic was very horny for another baby, and uh, shortly after the Cultaholic Wrestling podcast <laughs> landed,
3: this one started gestating. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's, like, you know, it's like, you know, this maternity award gives off quite a mood, honey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, hurry hurry up. Get him out. Let's pop another hit.
3: <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> yeah. So were your first memories of of, of the podcast itself, or was, or was there something else in there? No, this, this this show with you is my first memory
1: of Cultaholic because I <laughs> met up with Adam at a wrestling show and he said we'd we'd love to do something with you. We don't know what. I was like, ah, that'd be lovely. If there's something that's right for me, then that'd be would be <laughs> smashing. And then <laughs> we moved with this.
3: So. I knocked on the back door. Adam opened it, and I was, I was holding you over my shorts. I'm like, "Look what I found!"
1: <laughs> look, what I found in the look I found in the garden. I think it needs feeding. <laughs> and you're already wearing a suit too. Absolutely, of course I was. Of course I was. But you know what? If... I was really proud of the, and I still am to this day. But when we started out, I very much felt like like you had the main lads of Cultaholic. You know, in, mm-hmm. in Adam and Jack and Salmon and in Ross. And I always kind of... I always embrace the fact. I always embrace the fact that we're sort of like the, the 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 extended multiverse. And I was always really proud of that. And I am still to this day. I still class myself as, even as part of the multiverse.
3: Oh, no, no, no. You're part of the main group and don't kid yourself. Oh,
1: but I like being in the multiverse. I enjoyed the fact that there was... And I enjoyed the fact that when we got the ball rolling with it, it was... I remember I was... I was... Sat roughly where I am now, because I'm in the spare room, which has been converted into Cultaholic Site C. Um mm-hmm. I was sat on the bed in here, not in a rude way, when we had a we had a FaceTime conversation, and it was the first time we'd ever spoke, and it was in something like April May of 2018.
3: Somewhere around there, I know it was definitely. I know very i know very early on i wanted to do a podcast cuz i always admired the Brian and Vinny show how they chronologically critique as you as you and OSW review might say
0: mm-hmm.
3: i wanted to do something you know along those lines and at, at first i actually proposed it to matthew but the thing is um he and i kind of need a border collie to lead us i think i think given our, our lack of like focus and i'm going to say lack of ambition because well, i know he's ambitious on Semi ambitious. Uh, we needed a radio professional to walk us through everything, so I'm glad I found you.
1: <laughs> Why did it was it was it was Tony Blackburn and uh, Wolfman Jack not answering the phone? And
3: <laughs> <laughs> ah, nah, was uh, you could have got Kevin
1: what... Kelly. He's a big old radio alarac, as I discovered this week on Desert Island Grabs.
3: Oh, Kevin Kelly would have been great, but I mean, he would have big legged me. Let's face it,
1: <laughs> you'd have big legged each other. But yeah, so it was that was it. Because yeah, so you, you and math was. I'm I'm glad to have been a second place. I'm glad that math didn't work out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm chuffed that it did because uh, it would have all been a bit weird if if it had. But that's fine. <laughs> so, but it's nice because then math got to do it anyway. So I kind of feel like I flutter between you both now so but that was my first memory and it was doing that and you know what i was working in in radio at that point and on a monday night it's just after seven uh, i come into the spare room and we'd record the show and that was my involvement with Hollick. and it was just a case of i kind of kept the channels open with an- with adam because i was keen to do a little bit more and eventually i took over the editing of the podcast and then it was and then they made the foolish mistake of going to an aew show in <laughs> in america and it left the office short. That was their first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> if well, they hadn't done that, it would have, we'd have we'd have still been doing this. But it, the rest of the landscape would have been very different.
3: Well, no matter what happens, I, I can always use you for leverage. Because, because if, if Adam and I ever have a hashing out for whatever reason, and he says, well, what, have you, what do you really do for us, Justin? And I say, I got you, Tom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: Yeah, yeah, you brought me in, so there's your, there's, there is your leverage forever. Please do. I thought you were gonna say like if if anything was to happen, like, and you was to leave, I feel like I'd become like a step, like like a child going between two parents. Like you were like Adam would drop me off at the gas station on a Saturday night, and you come pick me up for the weekend.
3: No, no, no. We we would fight for full custody. You take him. No, you take ha. <laughs> Very, very accurate. Very accurate. But
1: it's another celebration next week, because next week is episode 100 of the Cultaholic Classic
3: Raw Review.
1: Full disclosure. we
3: Raw. Um, we don't know if it's for the Raw Review yet. We have to go back and count.
1: Yeah, we need, well, in, in the true spirit of this week in 2020, we need to go and recount <laughs> some numbers. Um, because somewhere along the line. And, and, hey, and you remember that bit where I said, I'll take on the editing? Ha-ha! That was your second <laughs> mistake, Adam, because somewhere along the line, I completely buggered up the numbers.
3: So we are technically on episode 99 this week. In, in, in your defense, you were using the metric system.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. I've been weighing everything in, in stone as opposed to pounds, and that is where it's all gone wrong. So stones is pounds, and pounds is money.
3: The, the metric system just doesn't work, you other countries.
1: Mm-hmm. On the plus side, like, I think the way I'm going how I'm going to spin it is, this is episode ninety nine, but mm-hmm. if we're going via the popular vote, it's still episode ninety
3: five. <laughs> we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, it's, it's fine either way. It's episode one hundred next week at the Caltorial Classic Raw review. Hundred episodes <laughs> of, no, and that's not counting the Sunday night slams and the watch-alongs. That is strictly the the, the main timeline of events. A hundred episodes of Raw, Justin. Christ, what what have we done to deserve that? <laughs>
3: yeah, well now. In present in present day, we're actually hurtling toward 1,500, so that puts it further in perspective. Oh, my
1: God. We're going to do this till the day we die, aren't we?
3: <laughs> well, you have apparently two months, according to your, uh, you know... Oh, yeah, Morgan I'm projection. dying this year, aren't I?
1: Oh, I forgot about that.
3: Oh, What if you're... Tom, what if you're already dead, and this is hell?
1: <gasps> that would be quite the twist.
3: This is like Lost, except I guess Sam's Hurley.
1: <laughs> Matthew's... That would be amazing.
3: Matthew's Ben Linus.
1: <laughs>
3: and Ross's Locke.
1: This will make sense now. This all makes sense. Um, we will celebrate episode 100 one way or another next week but we have to get through episode 99 first of all and we are going to get into the rigors of that in just a moment justin henry where and when are we this week for monday
3: Night roll well it is a fresh tv taping and thank god because this was a lively third of a taping for for sure it is monday night february 20th of 1995 we are live from the coliseum in macon georgia It's one of those,
1: it's one thing that we've discovered over time doing these podcasts, how you can really tell the difference between the first hour of a taping and Mm -hmm. the warmed up cold cuts of hour three of a taping. Mm -hmm. You really can tell. And yeah, like you say, this felt lively and energetic (laughs) and up for it, which was good to
3: hear. Absolutely. And and the fact that they actually have a marquee level matchup and a pretty big moment on the show otherwise, it adds to what I thought was a pretty good show overall, even though it has the usual 1995 doldrums scattered throughout. But I would still call this a pretty solid show, especially compared to the, what we've been feasting on lately.
1: Uh, just to give you an idea of how the world <laughs> sits in this particular week, before we go over to Justin, who will take us through this week's episode of the to Classic Rule Review. Uh, in the charts this week, I'm going to start adding some pop culture stuff. Uh, Ma- okay. Madonna's Take a Bow, number one in the U.S. Whilst in the U.K., Celine Dion's Think Twice. Some, some powerhouses of the music industry. <laughs> Top of the charts in this particular week. The Brady Bunch movie was at the box office this weekend.
3: Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all you... I remember about that movie, all I remember about that movie, because I didn't see it until years later, but I thought Christine Taylor was actually a very good Marcia Brady. She was a future Mrs. Ben Stiller. Um, but I remember her from, a a Nickelodeon show that and I'm going to date myself with this one, a Nickelodeon show called Hey Dude, which was set at, set at a dude ranch in Arizona. And she was like the, um, lifeguard on the show at the, uh, at the community pool. Ah. She was, she, she was the, she was the overly positive Melody Hansen who everybody took advantage of because she was too nice.
1: Well, the more, you know, it's a funny show. Uh, If you owned a Sega Mega Drive, or as you call it in America, soccer, you would have been playing Ristar that came out this week. I love Ristar. Got a very Sonic the Hedgehog vibe to
3: it. I've heard of it, but I know nothing of it.
1: Do you know anything of the big move by WCW this particular week in wrestling?
3: Is this where you told Paul Roman are going to get the FL? Before, <laughs> before it's, it's a Super Bowl?
1: It's not, sadly. Uh, it's, it's only slightly bigger than that. It's a, it's a move that, to this day, has changed the landscape of professional wrestling.
3: Okay. Are you being serious, or is this... Uh... I'm being,
1: I am being super serial.
3: Okay. Let me th- try to think here. Okay. Nitro wasn't announced until May or June, so we're not there yet. They let Hunter go? No, Hunter's already gone. OK, Hunter's they suspended away. Austin.
1: Uh, Austin not suspended yet. He's been injured, but he's not suspended
3: yet. OK, um, it's bigger than a single wrestler. Bigger than a single wrestler. Mm-hmm. I'm actually at a serious loss here, so you have to help me out with this one.
1: OK, so it was in this particular week that WCW took the gamble of taking pay-per-view from being quarterly to replacing june and november's clash of champions with pay-per-views this puts wcw on nine pay-per-views and two clashes mm. in 95 basically we are heading towards the monthly pay-per-view <coughs> model that we have to this day
3: mm-hmm. okay so i see the, the the arms race started at that point
1: it started at this very point the this is, this is WCW basically <clears throat> putting on these mega shows every single month, and WWF will play catch-up to that. And <clears throat> the funny thing is, Dave Meltzer puts here, um, and it's funny when you think about what we have now. He says, um, Between WCW's nine shows, the WWS five, and UFC's four, that leaves 18 pay per dates in 95 as a bare minimum already on the schedule. There will be too much wrestling for people to consume, says Dave Meltzer. This was in 95. We're now at a point where... <laughs> Pretty much, if we have a weekend that doesn't have a wrestling pay-per-view on it, it's basically a fallow weekend where we can recover our sleep.
3: I'd like to show the jury the year 2000 when we had 12 WWF, 12 WCW and 7 ECW. Oh. 31 total shows. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot Dave going had, on there. Dave had no idea what he was up against here.
1: Uh, one pay-per-view is already, already has some some star power attached to it, as in June we will see the WCW. Uh, the w- we will see WCW welcome the Steiners in. Uh, Rick and no, we won't. All, no, we won't. Well, that's what it says here because <laughs> they were originally scheduled, according to Dave and the Wrestling Observer this week. They're originally scheduled to debut on the 19th of March, uh, but their debut has been moved back to the as yet unnamed June pay per view. This does not happen, does it, Justin?
3: It will not happen, and the Steiners will not return to the company until very early in 96. So, so I, I don't I don't know what happened here, but they did show up in ECW in the interim. They did turn up in ECW. I wish Big Papa Pump had been in ECW, that version oh, of Scott Snyder. Christ. Oh,
1: Christ, could you imagine? That would be amazing.
3: Just for the steroid what? chance, if nothing else. I mean, he was already unfiltered promo-wise before that point. Can you imagine what he what he would have done in in uh, the ECW arena. Oh, Heyman would
1: have put the belt on
3: him, wouldn't he? He'd have put the belt on him. Well, I mean, it's. Whether it's Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner or just singular Scott Steiner mega athlete, he's a top guy either way. He
1: really is. He really is. <laughs> hey, on the subject of Philadelphia. And ECW, uh, WWF made the announcement this week that the the city of Philadelphia and the city of Pittsburgh will showcase the King of the Ring and SummerSlam respectively. A per, the home of a hot wrestling crowd with new generation WWF. What could possibly go
3: wrong, Justin? <clears throat> oh, the '95 King of the Ring. <laughs> We're f- We're about four months away from plunking down and watching that one together. Why is Gene Oakland in bother this week, Justin? Well, if I'm thinking correctly, I believe it's it's somewhat tied in with the unfortunate death of Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert over the weekend. Uh, One of the truly talented individuals who was a great brawler, was a great personality, smart booker, although he had some uh, unfortunate paranoia issues at I believe um, may have done him in in, in a few different territories. Uh, he passed away over his weekend, I believe, of a heart attack at age 33, which is nuts. And I think Okerlund may have used his death as clickbait for his own headline, I, I mean for his own hotline.
1: You've 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 kind of you're close. You've kind of crossed the international date line a little bit there. Uh, we do lose Eddie Gilbert, but Eddie Gilbert passes away on the 18th of February. So uh, you you've predict his death a week early, which you'll be livid about. Um, Gene, Oak- you are right, though. Gene Oakland is in trouble because he teased the announcement of a the death of a 45 year old former heavyweight champion wrestler. He went on to, he said, to call the hotline to find out who it is. $75,000 grossed for the hotline that particular run. And it was five minutes into the call, this expensive Mm. per minute call, that Gene Oakland announced the death of not Eddie Gill, but
3: Jerry Blackwell. Absolutely. Um, This is sleazy. May I point out real fast that we're now on the February 20th episode of Raw. I believe Crusher Blackwell died the day of the 95 Rumble, which is a month before this. God. So it wasn't like it had just happened and he scrambled for it. It's like, I need something for this week. I know what I'll do.
1: It was also touched off a rumor within the Carolinas that Ric Flair had died. So there was some talk that Ric Flair had passed and all that did was just stir that up. So when you rang and Gene Oakland said Mm. Jerry Blackwell after five minutes, people were livid, as was TBS, who politely asked uh, Gene Oakland to never use a death to clickbait people into calling a hotline again.
3: I could have sworn he'd done it with Eddie Eddie Gilbert, Maybe I am just crossing the streams here. Um, he may have done. I mean, this may
1: this may have been a... a he may be a repeat offender on something like this. It, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if Mean Gene, if Scheme Gene, was a repeat offender on something like this.
3: When you said 45-year-old, I was also thinking maybe you're trying to lead fans into thinking it was Bob Backlund. Since um, they brought his age a lot recently in, in, in his trek for reclaiming glory there.
1: It's funny but, yeah. how much these things uh, are so clinical, because... Um, and you know what? And I'll we'll mention like with with us, obviously with the with videos that we put out of Cultaholic, there is an element of like mystery to come and find them. Obviously, we would never go, guess who's dead? Click here. That's just weird. But it's but even so, some people don't do it. Well, it's, that's that's uh, that's on them. <laughs> but it's but it's incredible how these sort of things have been around forever. Just the medium has changed.
3: Oh yeah, it's. Uh... I remember years ago, and I swear to God, like, like this is not a fever dream. WCW had a pay per view. It was Super Brawl 2000, and the world title match was Sid Vicious, Scott Hall, and Jeff Jarrett in a triple threat match. And there's a spot in the match where Hall took a, was either hit with a guitar, took a power bomb, and wasn't moving like he was possibly legit hurt. I'm not sure if it was an angle or not. I mean, obviously Hall turned out to be okay because nothing really came of that. But there was speculation, like, the day after period that, that Hall had been really injured. And, of course, like, the whole rumor mill, this is, you know, clickbait city. I remember coming from school and reading up about, like, Scott Hall in, injured? How bad? We don't know. from All these different sites. And at the very bottom of this one website it was reporting on, and keep in mind, this is probably, like, some teenager or young adult who's getting everything 12th hand and just trying to build a website, just getting clicks, had the link to another site that said, Scott Hall, dead, click here for funeral arrangements. Oh. I swear to God. Like, like I, was, I was a dumb teenager, but even, even I knew that's effing crass. Oh, jeez. Yeah, nah. like, on a lighter note,
1: <laughs> the WWF versus WCW war hotened up this week on the NASCAR track. Oh, baby. Oh, baby! WCW has entered into a one-year sponsorship agreement with Winston Cup driver Billy Standridge for all 31 scheduled events in 94, and they are planning to use Standridge as part of their wrestling company promotion, which WWF is also in the ballpark of, because Bob Ollie has got his NASCAR season on the books as well. So it's all kicking off in the world of NASCAR and wrestling.
3: Well, there is a crossover audience there. So you can't like really blame him for going that route. Is it? Isn't it funny how back then, like, like mainstream wrestling promoters tried to cater more toward like the, uh, like the Southern sports fans. And now it's all about who plays what video games.
1: Yeah, it's it's it, you roll with what's popular. You roll with what's mm-hmm. popular. Suppose you do. Um, Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Haas this week have signed a record deal with Select Records. Oh, yes. Oh, so we are getting ourselves some cracking Hulk Hogan tunage later this year.
3: That's got to be a call to punishment. Oh, has to listen to the entire CD with while handcuffed.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> with with only with, with only a box of cyanide.
3: <laughs> for company. <laughs> um, Alexa, poison me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, Dave says here. Hogan
3: already has an album out in Germany. That might be the one. Whoo! Um, Which, again, no- proves my theory. <laughs> Germans love Hawk Hogan. They, they really do. <laughs> they love Das
1: Hulkster in Germany. They truly do. <laughs> He's a hit over there. Oh, but the album is something special. I'm excited when we get a little bit closer to the time where we can talk about it.
3: I'm very excited. <laughs> We should do the um Call to Hawk talk about the Christmas for that. Oh, that's a nice idea. We'll go door to door and sing it like jingles. <laughs> we can't! Social distancing! We'll have to sing it from uh, a distance. Uh... Well, that's hardly worth it, isn't it? I suppose it would be, wouldn't it? Uh,
1: And one final tidbit. Henry Godwin is on the injured list. He has a back injury, and he was not wrestling this past weekend. We don't know when he'll be back. He's really been straining himself with his wrestling style. No wonder he got injured.
3: Maybe he shouldn't wrestle in overalls.
1: Maybe he shouldn't wrestle. (laughs) <laughs>
3: be nice Henry Gallon wasn't
1: bad I I am being particularly mean but yeah Henry Godwin's which which actually sucks because he's not long debuted uh, whether you love the gimmick or not he's not long kicked off his run in the WWF so you, it sucks to be injured so soon
3: oh absolutely it's uh, I mean Sami Zayn got hurt in his first match on the main roster from oh. flailing his arms
1: oh god my, I'm such a massive Sami Zayn fan at that point, and I was so excited to see him challenging John Cena. And my heart broke when you watch back the footage and as he does that arm thing and he pops his arm out. I was like, oh, mate, but you still put on a great match. You had one bloody arm. God love you. And then he had his first match back from the roster following that injury. He had his first match back. I can see... Where he had his first match back, from <coughs> where I am sat right now, which is pretty exciting, which is the what the formerly known as the Metro Radio Arena in Newcastle. And uh, mm. it was there he had a match against, I want to say, Finn Balor. Mm. And uh, it was so great to see Sami Zayn back. Oh, my God, I was so happy to be there.
3: Well, it's not a career-ending injury, but it's still weird that he flailed his arms and busted his shoulder somehow
1: is it funny how sometimes it's the it's the silly injuries like that that just knacker you i lost my voice for a week once right not because i was event hosting not because i was i was singing and being a loud abrasive asshole just that's normal but i was i woke up in i woke up in the morning and i cleared my throat in the bathroom and my voice immediately uh, immediately went and I had to cancel two radio shifts, and I had to book a day off work. I was like, what? I cleared my throat! What? This is unfair!
3: At that point, you just tiptoe through everything.
1: That's it. I just lay very still for three days.
3: Okay, don't exhale, whatever you do. It's like, I once slipped a disc, or at least it felt like I did. I went to look out the window one morning, and I, I almost stepped on, like, the... This piece of a chair, like the cut, sort of like juts out. Like, oh, so I stepped away from it. I just took a simple, like, awkward step, and all of a sudden, like, my neck went backwards, like, ah, Jesus, what I, what did I, I not even know what I did. Like, I had, like, laid down in, like, an awkward, like, I was, I was posed like an LJN rubber action figure where I couldn't move my arms or legs for a moment without pain. Oh, God. I don't even know what I did, and I just, for like, an hour, I was just trying to, like, massage myself and just try to, like, stretch, and finally I, got to a spot where i was just like okay i feel better what the hell did i do to myself
1: god
3: the, how did i do that
1: just those in, those injuries are the worst they're the worst
3: it was strange either, either i severely pulled a muscle <laughs> without knowing what muscle it was or it was something discular but regardless Shall You're we here. crack on with this roll, Tommy?
1: We certainly shall, my friend. Let's take it over to Justin Henry to talk us through this week's episode, the 99th episode of Monday Night we Raw. Think.
3: We think. <laughs> and fun fact before we move onward. Uh, we're here at the Macon, Georgia Coliseum, where in 15 months, this building will have a much more famous wrestling moment. Ooh. This rather innocuous building that's holding 2,800 fans here for a simple Raw taping. This is the building on May 27th, 1996, when the former Razor Ramon came down through the audience, hopped the guardrail, and started calling out WCW on Nitro.
1: Wow. And this building?
3: This building right here, yes. That's cool. Oh, and fun fact from, the, from this taping, well, actually, several fun facts. We have some interesting dark matches on this show. I'm not sure if you... Uh, Peruse these at any point.
1: Uh, and, I haven't. No, talk me through them.
3: Well, in addition to a, a jobber squash match featuring Jeff Barber, who I don't know, and Jungle Jim Steele, future All Japan wrestler, oh, beating nice. Barry Hardwick and Brooklyn Jungle Jim, beating Barry Harwoods and Brooklyn brawler, but Jungle Jim sucked at this point. He didn't even got squashed by 911 ECW one time, and uh, he got a lot better as years went on, though a lot better. Oh, that's but cool. But at this time, this time he was just a green muscle guy. But the next match on the show featured Earl Palrina Riggins, losing to a man by the name of Mike Unabom. Mike Unabomb. Mike Unabom. Who would Mike Unabomb be? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Tommy. Because he'd be repackaged later in the year and is in fact presently the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee.
1: Oh, it's Big Glenn. It's Kane. That's got to be Kane. That's got to be Kane.
3: It's Kane. Kane's first of, this is this is Kane's WWF debut. Oh, that's amazing. Little did we know just what an impact he'd make on the wrestling business over the next at least 20 years.
1: Just yeah, it just and at this so at this so he wasn't signed then by the end of this run, do we know?
3: Uh, I don't think he was signed. They just kind of figured we have something in him because he was in Smoky Mountain at the time. Him and Al Snow were the dynamic duo. Hmm. Al being the shit talking heel, and Glenn, and Glenn, he was known as Unabom, he was just the big muscle guy that Snow hid behind. And um, so at this point they kind of figure he's a he's a big guy with a good head on his shoulders. We got to give him a shot. So he has tryout here, and sometime by spring or summer they came up with the idea for him. As, as Unabomb wound down his time in Smoky Mountain, including the somewhat well-known match he had with Undertaker that August at the um, Super Bowl Wrestling Show. <clears throat> I, I actually wasn't called that. It was something else, was it? Was it Night of the Legend? I can't even remember. All these shows like are, are sort of run together in my head, but yes. <clears throat> uh, the first Tiger Kane match took place that summer in front of several thousand fans in Knoxville. And b- by summertime, he will be Dr. Isaac Yankum, DDS. You will be the dentist of Jerry Lawler's. Which he's from Decatur, Illinois. So why does Lawler have a dentist if he lives in Memphis? That lives in Decatur, Illinois. Ah,
1: I, I love it when they get the, when they try and match the places to the mood. I'm a big fan.
3: Yeah, it's it's it can be bizarre to say the least.
1: So there we go. Some uh, good dark match action there. I, did not, I was not aware those took place.
3: Well, it was it was the start of something big. We just didn't know it yet. So we so we start off the show with Vince uh, immediately trying to tie into the location. We start off cold here. We're in making Georgia, so Vince says, "The home of rock and rolls Otis Redding. Otis my man." <laughs> and then he mentions that it's also the home of Little Richard and the Allman Brothers. Now, we've seen this before. Where Vince is insecure about the location of the show, so he has to try and you know, gussy it up a little bit. If they were running from the from the garden, he won't be he he would not be saying, The home of the New York Knicks and the Rangers, the home of many famed boxing fights, Bruno San Martino's world title. well, he wouldn't bring that up back then. No, certainly not. But the <clears throat> But the point is, when you're in New York, you're in New York, and no other modification is needed. This needs a little bit of dressing. Yeah. In Vince's mind.
1: He just wants to make everywhere he goes sound (laughs) as big as possible.
3: Absolutely. The place where windmills were invented.
0: (laughs) The home of the world's
1: largest ball of yarn.
3: (laughs) The home of Joni Cunningham from the happy days. (laughs) And she's here tonight. (laughs) General admission, <laughs> <clears throat> but I digress. Um, we have a uh, Diesel versus Jeff Jarrett in a world title match, champion versus the Intercontinental champion. We we learned the identity of Shawn Michaels' new bodyguard tonight, and plus his suspension is over. Bam Bam Bigelow is back in action. But before we can get to anything, we have uh, some backstage promos to get to. <clears throat> Sort of in the vein of the old Saturday Night's Main Event pre-match promos. It's Jeff Jarrett coming on his role title opportunity. He's in the dark, but we know he's there because his outfit is flashing red. Oh. Would you wear Jeff Jarrett's outfit somewhere?
1: Uh, I wish I did. I so <laughs> wish I did. I like this. Like, <clears throat> I, I know, lol, Jeff Jarrett. I get it. I get it. But they they are doing everything to gussy this up to feel like a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can't fault them for that. And like on paper, this is a big match. It's the WWF champion defending against the Intercontinental champion. On paper, this is a big deal. But it's just, uh, Jeff Jarrett, lol. <coughs> uh,
3: it is what it is, but he is the Intercontinental champion regardless. And uh, he, he says tonight, Brody has another shoulder they can hold a belt over, implying he's going to be beating Big Daddy Cool. Decent enough promo, Jarrett, and mode of intent, hype, all there. Then we go to Big Daddy Cool himself. <clears throat> Just leaned up against the wall, all slick and relaxed. And he says, and I, I wrote this down verbatim because I had to. Everyone's heard of MTV Unplugged. Boy, there's a data reference. <laughs> he didn't say that part, I said that part. <laughs> Tonight, the World Wrestling Federation goes unplugged. That's right, Double J. When I knock your lights out.
0: <laughs> oh
1: God! The irony is he's called Big Daddy Cool. He's cool Dad. <clears throat> he's Cool Dad is more accurate.
3: <laughs> or he's trying to be Cool Dad. I mean, and, and I'll reiterate, I know Diesel gets a lot of crap for how '95 went because he was the champion through most of it, and you know, the boys were on him. Listen, look at what he was given to do. It's not his fault. Mm. It is not
1: his fault at all. It was not his fault that there was a mix-up in the writer's room and they said, right, we've written all these scripts for the cool dad character. And they went, <laughs> no, 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 big daddy cool. Oh, oh I, I thought you wanted a cool dad. No, we don't want a cool dad. Oh, God. Oh, these are awful.
3: Well, we've, we've, we've run out of time, so <laughs> Kev, get on with it. <laughs> How about you just give Nash bullet points and let him piece it together? Why not? Why
1: not? We know <laughs> in later years he'll be great at that.
3: And he's a smart guy. Yes. Yeah. Let him do his own thing. So we got our first match of the evening. It is Bam Bam Bigelow versus my friend and yours, the Italian stallion himself, Gary Sable.
1: Sable. Sable.
3: <laughs> Sable. Yeah, all times they chant his name during Mark Mara's matches. <laughs> <laughs> John. Italian Stallion as Mark Mero's valet. Yes,
1: please. I would like Italian Stallion as Reno Mero.
3: Thank you. Keep it, keep it tasteful. <laughs> so Bam Bam is mad because I guess Gary Stabile made it thirty percent of his uh, fine for, for shoving L2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gary, you massive crook! <laughs> so we have a split screen of, of the match and of the various rigmarole from. Bigelow's attorneys and representatives, and LT's attorney representatives just a whole, whole, whole bunch of legalese. We have got an Anthony G.M. Papa, who I believe is LT's lawyer. He looks just like Roger Ebert. This is <laughs> gripping. I'm watching Bigelow squash Gary Stable on one side of the screen while I'm watching people with the collective charisma level of a vacuum cleaner talk about the theoretical WrestleMania main event.
1: It just for me, it undermines Lawrence Taylor when you've got these guys in suits going, Lawrence will not fight Bam Bam Bigelow. <laughs> I was like,
3: that's not what we want. <laughs> Listen, LT won't wrestle unless he goes over. Do you understand? Like, LT should be right out on the front line saying, that I want to kick his ass. Like, that's exactly. How you he should fight. be up front with this and going, yeah, I'm
1: having you. It just seems like I just, I find it, it doesn't warm me to LT to know that he's happily let his boys go out there and go, we will not have a fight with Bam Bam Piccolo. We don't want to fight him. It doesn't do anything for me for Lawrence Taylor.
3: See, this is why Paul Heyman is the best legal representative of any kind of professional wrestling. Because at least Paul would make it exciting. (laughs) I mean, Ben Stein in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. By like comparison, it's like Eddie Kingston compared to these guys. Exactly. Beulah! <laughs> right, John, I want Eddie Kingston to share his Beulah's day off. John, you're working this week, mate. <laughs> Beulah, where are you at, partner? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Actually, Eddie Kingston is anything is good. I don't, I don't know if you saw Dynamite Wednesday night. But the Kingston Moxie promo battle was amazing. Have I haven't seen... seen,
1: at time of recording, I haven't seen that particular battle of words. But... A
3: lot of great promo on this show, but this won a very tough competition.
1: How brilliant <laughs> is it, mate, that we live in the timeline where Eddie Kingston is about to headline a major American pay-per-view?
3: And that couldn't happen to a more deserving guy. Oh, in that I'm I know, kinda...
1: right? It's so good. <laughs>
3: might sound condescending coming from a guy who's never taken a bump in his life like myself. But as a fan of Eddie's, happy to see him doing great. Same.
1: Absolutely the same. I'm just delighted for him.
3: Speaking of, well, here's the opposite of delightful. uh, This match, (laughs) Um, Sable's not wearing a singlet, which I assume he bought with the Hardy's trans money.
1: He looks lovely.
3: Now, this is Bam Bam Bigelow versus Gary Sable. Bigelow is getting ready to, and well, we already know, you know these storyline sides aside, Bigelow is going to kick the living crap, or I'm sorry, he, he's going to face LT at WrestleMania. That's going to be your main event. So, in theory, he should be beating Sable Merciless here to build him up as the ruthless killer that he's supposed to be. Because otherwise, why are you putting him in the main event? Other than the fact that he, he's facing a legendary football star.
1: That's, that's a very valid point. Like, it should just be Bigelow, back from from suspension, just obliterating Sabar. Without
3: so why G- question. So why is Gary Sabal getting a single leg takedown and holding him in place with an arm drag? Because this company still don't get how
1: to do enhancement matches in the mid-90s. Like, there is still that thing of the enhancement guys get far more. Or the matches themselves are just paced really badly, and it just feels like they get more. And really, it's just a slow, meandering match.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. See what you will about Brock Lesnar and the way he squashes some people? I would rather have that. Because when Brock kills somebody dead, there's no ambiguity there. He just kills the guy dead. Yeah. And that's why people... That's why he's so fearsome. He's not taking single, like, takedowns from... uh, you know, from Riddick Moss or something. No offense to Riddick Moss. I'm just talking about standing here. Lesnar's a megastar, and then there's... I mean, Gary Sable is much worse off than Riddick Moss because Gary Sabal is an enhancement talent. He's not even a contract guy. And after that takedown, I wrote, Bigelow should have won by now. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. He should have won in, like, 30 seconds. It's at this point that Jim Cornette pipes up on commentary because Sean is no longer announcing. But this is a worthwhile replacement for the time being. He mentions the fact that Gary Sabal, and this is legitimate, won a spaghetti eating contest and has a, actually holds the world record for eating the, for eating uh, eating more like a pound of spaghetti in under 30 seconds with no hands.
0: <laughs>
3: I
1: know. Cool, said that, and I was like, that can't be real, and I thought Justin might know, so I'm glad <laughs> that you apparently, did.
3: Apparently, it is true, because it's been brought up in multiple promotions that Gary Sabol is like the world spaghetti eating champion.
1: Uh, Sadly, not the record holder anymore. Uh, The record is currently held uh, by uh, Michelle Lesko from Tucson, who is a math teacher who ate a massive bowl of spaghetti in 26.7 seconds. Wow. That's a good number.
3: I'd rather just sit there and savor it, you know. But Ed, each their own. <laughs>
1: exactly. I like I like the idea of you entering a, a spaghetti eating contest and just taking your time with it, going, I'm just enjoying this spaghetti. It's a meal out. Leave me alone. <laughs> Stop having some garlic bread. <laughs> yeah. You'll fill up on bread. I don't care. I like the bread. No!
3: <laughs> I've lost We're money on, on you, eat.
1: Justin. I, I had $30 on you winning.
3: <laughs> well, it's on you. <laughs> i <laughs> have <That's on> you. <laughs> <laughs> so Cornette gets gets one of his many great lines about Bigelow and and the toughness of Asbury Park off that show, Janelle. This is true or not? He says, "Where he's from, the muggers don't shoot you. They insert the bullets manually." <laughs> he was very Cornet this week, wasn't he, Cornet? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. say what you know about Jim Cornet. He's a hell of a color commentator. He really is. He brings
3: a lot of stuff to life
1: more better Absolutely. than many others do.
3: Especially in this time period, Cornette was uh, very energetic, and he's putting over a product that isn't great, but he makes it sound great. Mm. And, that's all, and that's all you can ask out of a commentator. It's just enhance what we're watching. So Bigelow misses a charge, but he comes back with a big whiffing dropkick that save all sells anyway. But he made it for with the DDT. Diving headbutt finishes. Then after the match, Bigelow calls out Lawrence Taylor by basically saying, and this is 1995 threats, You're a punk, Lawrence Taylor! You're a wimp. <laughs> this was the attitude error. I wonder what he would have said. Probably bitch, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, more than likely would have called him an an effing b. <laughs>
3: <laughs> On ECW, especially. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yes. So he's is there is no um, no remorse, no regret for, for Bigelow, and he's calling out LT.
3: Doesn't care what he meant. No, it doesn't care. Oh. Another, I can't remember the words now. I'm a Metallica fan. What is wrong with me?
0: <laughs>
3: so he says, "I'll face LT anytime, any place." I'm thinking the second in your house.
1: <laughs> yes, any, not WrestleMania, or if, <clears throat> if WrestleMania, maybe maybe the second or third match on.
3: On wrestling challenge are going to face off.
1: That'd be fine.
3: So we come to a match that brought me such joy, and squash matches really bring me joy. But given who's involved here, I had to feel some level of joy. Adam Bomb versus the one, the only, Mr. Rip Rogers.
1: Rip Rogers is an enhancement! Get in!
3: (laughs) I was so delighted when I saw Rip. This is a treat. Oh, God, was I happy. And, And I can't even describe what he's wearing. Like a pink sequined coat... With I think like off pink lavender shorts and like was it blue boots? He looks like somebody
1: who's trying to cosplay as Ric Flair, but forgot to go to the costume party <laughs> shop. So he is having to uh, just make do with what he's got in the wardrobe.
3: <laughs> and he got dressed in
1: the dark. And he got dressed in the dark. <laughs> but another another vet
3: as a as an enhancement guy this week. This is popular. Well, I'm wondering if either Corny or Jr. had had a little bit of insight or a little bit of influence in the who got the gigs on these shows. It is Georgia, so it's a bit more regional. Who, who they bring in for I enhancement mean, guys? You're not going to fly in a guy from Seattle for this. But yeah, I mean that's it's a hell of a choice. Adam Baum has his babyface theme song, which is basically a uh, a slow version of Moving in Stereo. It's a good song. <laughs> good song that. Yeah. Cornette calls Rogers the number one citizen of Seymour, Indiana, which made, which made me laugh for some goddamn reason. <laughs> Vince says it's Sean Cougar Mellencamp. It says about Cornette, he can get Vince to banner with him. And usually Vince just plays his own game and just, he, he won't bite the bait. Cornette can get him to play along. It's great.
2: I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President.
3: I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say, and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or
2: the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. Only at Sleep Number Stores or SleepNumber.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big-game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think, Find out how much at airbnb.com
3: slash boast. What's not great is the crappy smoke for Adam bomb as part of his intro. Oh,
1: no. I like the idea of calling the Adam bomb fans, the bomb squad,
3: but aren't they the ones who stopped the bomb? Oh yeah. Or did I just blow your mind? Oh, no. They are, aren't they? Oh, That's why his push ended. The fans put a stop, though. <laughs> here here the comes wire. the bomb
1: squad. They've cut the red wire, and he's stopped. <laughs> now, I will continue. And I'm sure you'll talk us through the match here, and you'll describe some of the stuff that Adam Bomb does. I continue to bang the drum. The Adam Bomb... Would have been a better choice as a top guy than Lex Luger.
3: Wow, that's... A hundred
1: percent.
3: I feel like after all we've said on this show, we should apologize to Lex Luger. No. We've finally gone too far. No. Adam Baum, right? Like,
1: big lad. So for Vince, that's a big dirty tick, right? Sure. Um... Decent shouty... Decent enough shouty promo skills. Tick. Uh, eh, Debatable. unique look and aura. No one else looks like Adam Bomb. Will agree. There you go. Hell of a moveset. Will agree. Yeah! Ta-da! In conclusion... (laughs) Adam Bomb... Greater than...
3: Lex Luger. I don't know. Luger could... I've seen Luger have great matches with the right opponent. I can't remember... I can't remember one Atom Bomb match.
1: I don't think he got chance to flex properly. He's in a lot of these jobby matches and he doesn't really get chance to flex.
3: That's uh, true. But, but I mean, it's, it's so subjective though. <laughs> so we, here's Rip getting heat from everybody in the crowd, just from just yelling at them and doing what heels are supposed to do. Cause Rip gets it. Just follow him on Twitter. Rip is a, uh, he's just a font of information and knowledge. Can't hate Rip Rogers.
1: He is—he's uh, quite the unique uh, character on Twitter. In fact, he's... let's let's pull up Hustler two seven five four and see. Two hours ago, looks are deceiving. Some guys look stiff as hell and are barely touching you. Some guys look phony as hell and are killing you until you get in there with you. You will never know. Just don't judge a book by its cover.
3: See, <laughs> nice little nugget of information there. Rip Rogers is the trainer of champions been involved with the business for god knows how long he's probably well over 40 years if not longer he's just he gives he gives you all this free information that it's just fascinating to read through it just his the the perspective of someone who's been everywhere and done everything and worked with everybody trainer of champions just done it all and 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 this match is perfect because here's adam bomb with his scary powerful offense and he's kicking Roger's ass, and Roger is selling his ass off. Just the grimacing, the, the crying out in pain, everything he's doing. This guy, he's the heel of Ricky Morton when it comes to selling. Mm. He's just the master. And, and, I mean, there was a clunky spot where he couldn't fall through the ropes properly, so he threw himself out, and Vince c- tried to cover for it. Oh, he's trying to escape! Yeah, that was a good little cover-up, that was. Mm, yeah. Un- understandable. Bomb flies out with this nice-looking suicide dive nice for i mean for guys almost 300 pounds it was very impressive ding and back inside bomb gets the diving clothesline to end the match and that was really good for what it was rip should have stuck and stuck around for in some kind of role
1: yeah i think he, he he did what he had to do he made adam bomb look strong in in the in the ring and and bomb i think looked great in there
3: rip rogers is just a consummate pro
1: do we see him again in the next month or so is he is he part of the tapings for a couple
3: of weeks now um, I'm not sure on Raw. Let me just double check real fast. Um, let's see here. He's at these superstars tapings. Him and kind Ch- guy named Chick Donovan loses the smoking guns. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> Rick Rogers. Uh, this might have been it for him, unfortunately. Uh, I'm thinking it is. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I don't see him anymore. Damn. I'll see him for more Rip.
1: Ah, life is cruel. Well,
3: well, at least we got to have one Rip Rogers match as part of our tour here. Let's be blessed for that. The man who headlined Battle Bowl '93.
1: <laughs> what a guy!
3: And he did. <clears throat> we get what could be the last of the Bayman Bigler Slim Jim ads. Before we go to this really bizarre segment where we show from I think I think it was Superstars over the weekend where Bret Hart was given, and, I'm, and, and this is an exact name here, the Award of the People. <laughs> what is this? This is like, <clears throat> this was the wrestling equivalent of the Human Fund Money for People. <laughs> What's the award <clears throat> that Homer wins in The Simpsons? <laughs>
1: um, this is, the, here we go, in the episode, Homer receives an award. It's the, <laughs> this is Bret Hart winning the first annual Montgomery Burns Award for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence.
3: Outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. But, but meanwhile he got passed over for like for the worker of the month and they, and the friggin' inanimate carbon rod got
1: it. <laughs> Damn that inanimate carbon rod.
3: So apparently over a hundred thousand fans voted on this. <laughs> hundred <000. clears> thousand. And um breath-given to speech. There's a fan in the ring who looks starstruck next to the hitman. He says he wants to be a three-time WWF champion. And this is actually going somewhere this little bit. Lawler kind of goes into it in the next segment. But I'll just... It's really weird how they transition into this feud, which I'll do my best to try and string together here in this next bit. We go to the Kings Court, which is going to have Shawn Michaels as a guest. And this is pretty important. But first, Lawler goes on a little monologue tirade about Brett getting that award. He says that the award award is tainted because votes from Japan were excluded. And uh, he goes on to accuse Brett of, and this is a direct quote, of making slanted remarks about the Japanese. Oh, (laughs) God. And says that Bret Hart is a racist. Oh,
1: why is it that I'm hearing the words offensive remarks, racist, mail-in votes not counting, and I'm getting horrible flashbacks to the to life in 2020?
3: I don't know what Bret Hart went for.
1: <laughs> I think he ran for from uh, Stu. He wanted to stretch him. <laughs>
3: What's the campaign ad? Bret Hart says he should have the award of the people, but what you don't know...
1: He feeds burgers
3: what... to swans. <laughs> no, he feeds Alka-Seltzer to him.
1: <laughs> oh, he does, doesn't he? He feeds Alka-Seltzer to <laughs> pigeons because that makes them explode. You
3: show a Photoshop with Bret having his arm around Darth Vader.
1: Oh, yes! John? <laughs> John, I want... Yeah, we want Bret Hart looking as evil as possible.
3: Bret Hart burning down the orphanage (laughs) while doing the hitman's haunt in front of the burning building and I I gotta say as soon as Lawler said the word racist they couldn't hit Sean's music fast enough
1: yeah they was uh, that was quite a heavy drop wasn't it
3: I think there was a little bit of cold feet there about like you know how long do we let this linger quick hit it now for the love of God hit it now (laughs) so out comes Sean because it's bodyguard introducing time. Oh yes, it's a big it's a big moment. Sean gets to the ring. He talks about how he's been a marked man, and it's going to get worse. Because if he's WWE champion, he he can't keep all these people away from him. He's a tough guy after all, but he can't beat everybody by himself. At this point, Cornette speculates, and this is almost a date of reference. Even then. The bodyguard, it might be Jeff Gullulli.
1: (laughs) You'd have to to explain that one to me. Or to anybody in England
3: that might not know Jeff Gullulli. That is the ex-husband of Tanya Harding. who helped (laughs) conspire to break Nancy Kerrigan's leg. (laughs) Now, I wouldn't put it past him to bring in Jeff Gullulli for an angle, even back then.
1: I think they're more intrigued about bringing Tanya Harding in for an angle. Because I feel like she gets a run out every month or so on WWF television.
3: Well, what she did was pretty infamous. She did great in the wrestling world. She, she was in the wrestling world for a little bit.
1: Oh, yes, of course she was. We talked about it. Yeah, she
3: she... matched she Eddie Guerrero while standing in the aisle for a Portland show. <laughs> yes. I forgot and, about and, that. And he talked about what, it, what a humiliating development that was. <laughs> so, so Sean basically says he needs to have a big man to watch his back. And he's, he's got the guy. And he introduces the big, the bad, the vicious, nudge, nudge. Sid. On oh. plays the psycho music, which is a great song. Sid walks out and, and let me tell you something. We've been watching this show for two years now. We've seen a lot of indie guys come in and get colorful costumes to try and cover up for the fact that maybe they're... Not very star-like. They're not very... like You couldn't see them like on, on the level of a Hulk Hogan or whatever. Sid comes out wearing just jeans and, sh- and boots or shoes. He immediately looks like the biggest star on the show. Oh, he
1: does, doesn't he? He just radiates it. It's incredible.
3: If you ever wonder why this company took so many chances bringing this guy in when he's probably going to flake out at some point. And multiple companies really have taken this gamble. Just look at the guy.
1: Just amazing. S- he's just Sid amazing.
3: Just, he just exudes star.
1: So this is um, for, for, if you're an old wrestling fan, you would have seen this guy walk into the ring and you'd have gone, Oh my God, Sid Justice. What's he doing in the impact zone? That's what you would have said. <laughs> Would you like to know where Sid has been? Just playing softball. He has been playing softball, but as well as that, go on. Uh, so, April 26, 1992, Sid Udi says, "See you later, mate. Bye." To the WWF, because he wasn't happy with what he was doing with the Ultimate Warrior. Probably More losing.
3: That's part of the re- part of the story.
1: That's a that's a teeny teeny part of the adventure. Um Sid returned to WCW in May the following year. He was a mystery competitor of Colonel Robert Parker's. He beat Van Hammer in a in a stretcher match. Destroyed him. Just collated the boy. Ended up teaming with Big Van Vader in a in a notable, memorable summer, which saw their boat blow up that they bought on Finance. That was a shame for everyone involved. And then, our story jumps to October 27th. A hotel Mm -hmm. in beautiful Blackburn, Lancashire, in the United Kingdom. The home of Blackburn Rovers FC. And a road out of Lancashire, the home of the hot pot. So... If you are not familiar with the story, here's what went down. During the WCW tour of the United Kingdom at the end of 93, uh, Sid Vicious was involved in a hotel room scuffle with Arn Anderson. This resulted in both wrestlers stabbing each other with scissors. (laughs) Both were rushed to the hospital as Anderson suffered scissor stab wounds to the chest and the stomach. Uh, Vicious stabbed Anderson 20 times, and he was stabbed Mm. himself. Four. So he should have let Anderson have a couple of goals, to be fair. Sid was released from WCW shortly after this. No way! It had been planned to have Sid challenge Vader for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, but that was all thrown in the bin. Following his departure from WCW, Sid Udi returned to what was now known as the USWA. He took on a feud with with Jerry the King Lawler and has bounced around there for a year or so now. And here we are finding ourselves back in a position where the WWF want to work with him.
3: Yeah, it's been only 16 months since uh, that harrowing incident. i just... But just this is how starved
1: this story. company are right now of real top talent stars, is that they're willing to overlook, you know, this man stabbing another human to bring him in and be a part of the product.
3: That's... Uh, <coughs> I, I really am... Um when you put it that way, it sounds really bad. It does, doesn't it? But
1: having said <laughs> I mean, that,
3: you're right. He looks
1: amazing. His theme music is banging. And he just instantly looks like a star. Looks like he just, everybody else just falls beneath him. Just as soon
3: as he walks out. He looks like a guy who wouldn't need scissors. It's no. Like pain, pain and punishment upon you. Not in the slightest. So Sean stands on Lawler's throne to do the mega click high 5 which I thought was pretty funny. That was cute. So Sid's, so Sid's going to cut a promo, and, I, and I'm already excited. Because when Sid cuts a promo, it can run the gamut.
0: <laughs>
3: it can – because he does the whispery, threatening thing. And then he'll start yelling like this all of a sudden. Sid promos can can go in any direction. If you don't know. I don't know. And best of all, he doesn't know either. They are a roller coaster. (laughs) Not Sid Vicious promos. So he says that Sean can trust him. He has no feelings and no remorse for any living soul. He'll be at Sean's side when times are good and when times are bad. He lets out a primal grunt. He says, they will rule the world. This was actually a really good promo from Sid.
1: It was a very good way to reintroduce Sid to the audience, I thought.
3: Because this is the kind of guy who could stand up to Kevin Nash. Because if Sean can't do it himself, this guy can finish the job. He might be more frightening than Diesel.
1: I liked it a lot. I think it's a good I think okay, let's let's move away from the whole scissor stabbing thing. This is a good shout for WWF at this point to bring him in. Somebody who is as physically imposing as Diesel and down the line, for, for better or for worse, you've got that big beefy boy match that you might want to pull the trigger on. And Shawn has, and now Sean becomes a more palatable threat for Diesel at WrestleMania with Sid in the corner. True story, they were looking there was there was a talk at this point to counter having Sid in Sean's corner. According to the wrestling observer, there were rumors abound mm-hmm. that Diesel was going to bring Roddy Piper in to be in his corner.
3: That might not have been a bad shot, actually, to have someone there to uh, antagonize Sean, although. But, but at the same time, Diesel doesn't really need help, does he? No. That, and I think
1: that's probably why they they it, because they're like, well, if he's our big lad, then he doesn't need any guidance.
3: Yeah. And why would the seven-footer need backup? Mm, true. Yeah like Bob back was calling for Diesel to do like leap frogs and stuff in matches and and Tiger asked him why are you avoiding contact you're seven feet tall <laughs> <sighs> this next match <laughs> Eli and Jacob Blue versus Leroy Howard and future men at work tag team member Mark Starr so Eli and Jacob Blue are Ron and Don Harris with frazzled hair at this point they're basically Appalachian Mountain men, and they're being dragged to the ring by Uncle Zebuchiah, who, if you heard the word Zeb in there, your, your ears weren't deceiving you. This is Zeb Coulter, a.k.a. Dutch Mantel.
1: Yeah, this is Dirty Dutch, sort of post wrestling career, pre Zeb Coulter reboot. I
3: wonder if this means that the, the, the Eli and Jacob Blair were childhood friends with Jake Hager. Ooh. Or friends in any way.
1: I like the, I like, I like the, that's a nice sort of multiverse thing there that we can ponder.
3: Because remember, Zeb served in Vietnam with Hager's father. <laughs> Did he? Oh. That was that was the story of uh, of the connection. Ah. So you think that maybe they would know each other? Ah. Zeb's the uncle of Eli and Jacob Blue, and uh, his his war buddy, who was played by, if you didn't know this, Bunkhouse Buck. On one occasion, of in of course, he
0: was.
3: So imagine a stable with Zeb, Bunkhouse, Eli, Jacob Blue, and Jake Hager. I reckon it'd smell really bad. I imagine it would. Like it'd that, smell that a bit like
1: it'd smell a bit like rotten food and tobacco.
3: Mm. Mm. And uh, and I guess dead hitchhiker. <laughs> 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 imagine. Imagine waking up in the field and seeing those five faces looking down at you. <laughs> I just, I just wish for a very quick death. I think, I think I just, I think I just described Mance Warner's dream team. <laughs> he, oh, buddy Mance Warner would tame them lads. He'd be, he'd be on like frigging indeed.com looking for an application to join this group. <laughs> Do
1: you think Mance will end up in AEW? I know obviously he's signed oh. to MLW, but it seems inevitable, doesn't it?
3: I would love to see Manser there. The dude is just—he's just an endless stream of, of personality. Just so fun to listen to talk,
1: and and, and a hell of a brawler to boot. He was bags of fun on Desert Island
3: Grabs a couple of weeks ago. He was so much fun to have on the show. I, I I could see why he just when when he starts talking, he just he charms you. Yeah. The first time I saw him in CZW, I didn't even know who he was at the time. I knew a, like I heard the name, I didn't know a lot about him. This is like two years ago. So he starts cutting a perm about how this match could be under Mancer rules. He's going like, 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 MLJ, J ring announcer. what I want you to do right now. I want you to, like, he just, he he reminded me of like an old territorial, either face or heel, just the way he just came off. He just started talking and just, like, confidence in his voice, no stumbling over his words. I'm I'm like, this guy is, I think I'm interested in what this guy brings to the table. Like, I didn't, I didn't even know much about him. You're like, I'd like to to subscribe to your newsletter. Absolutely. And I'm glad to see that he's in the position now where he could be jumping to a national promotion.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Go, Mancer. So, so I digress here. We have Eli and Jacob Blue, who Zeb dragged them the ring by their hair because apparently they're not they're none too bright in their do-wells. And he's got to kind of like guide them through everything. They've been sheltered in the Appalachians their entire life and aren't used to these big city uh, gimmickry and stuff. So they attack the jobbers before the bell. And we cut the Todd Pettengill. And at this point I wrote, okay, fine. (laughs) For for this match, um, sure. Yeah, you do you. Let's just go look at Todd for a bit. I'm just glad it wasn't during Bomb versus Rip Rogers. I'd I'd have been fuming. So we learned that LT's going to be on roll next week. And while they're talking, we have generic squashing in the background while Eli and Giga Blue devour these two gentlemen can't tell them apart. Cornette describes her long history of barbarism and Vince cuts them off disgustedly. Because <laughs> even Jimmy's, when you push up against that line where it's like, oh, all right, come on, we have sponsors here. Got some long double teaming here. This match is like four minutes long and it shouldn't have been. So the finish of this match is just a simple front spine buster from one and the other hitting a leg drop on Mark Starr. They're crap, aren't sub- they?
1: They're crap. They just, they're, they're they're so ropey when they're in there.
3: It's just, they're just you big know, beefy lads. It's it's weird because I've actually seen them in enjoyable circumstances. They had a, they actually had a brief run in ECW in '94 with, with Public Enemy, and it was just like these arena encompassing brawls you weren't used to at the time. And they were actually a lot of fun to watch. So there was potential here, but they're just. I don't know. They're not really getting the most out of it mm. to me anyway.
1: Yeah, it feels. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't hate the Appalachian Mountain men shtick. like when they won the match and they were like looking in the camera <laughs> like,
3: what's that about? I thought that was quite fun. Oh, yes. this the post match. Yes. So after the match, after they've devoured these two, these two men, Eli and Jacob start looking at the, at the camera lens. And and, and they're kind of moving in like, hey, what's that there camera thing? (laughs) A big uh, box-looking thing with uh, uh, the mirror on the end, the glass. uh, And they're, like, confused by it. It reminded me of an old bit that Bill Murray and Steve Martin did on Saturday Night Live many moons ago. Where Steve Martin walked out and looked at the camera all confused and goes, what the hell is that? And, and, And... and Bill Murray walks in, like, doing almost like a, this Carl Spack like going, I don't know what that is. What is that? <laughs> she she looks more at, what the hell is that? Oh, I know what that is. But they won't say And they walk off and comes back and, what the hell is that? And just it keeps going on and on. But see, that was actually funny when they did it. This is just, oh, we're a big dumb mountain man. We don't know what th- Hey, what's that thing, there? And Zeb's got to pull him away. <laughs> so already, you know, winning characters. They could be resented as two big scary men, but no, we got make to make sure you know that they're dumb. <laughs> yes, please, because otherwise,
1: you know, Uncle Zeb there's no purpose for him. He has to guide them and drag them round, a la the head shrinkers.
3: How about you just let Zeb talk and talk them up, because Zeb can talk.
1: You can. I was surprised you didn't see. I, I racked my brains. I don't see many Uncle Zeb Akaya promos
3: at this time. Which is BS because Zeb's a, a great talker, as we've seen mm. on many occasions. Like, Jack Swagger. I didn't care about Jack Swagger in WBF. Zeb manages them. Alright, now I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> and in a loud, clear voice, say, we the people. Like, he made
1: he made Swagger interesting. He did. He gave, he gave him a little bit of meat on the bone. You can't really Absolutely. call it a stupid idea from Bad Creative, because it was actually a, a, a decent idea from Bad Creative. But it was uh, it was something that, like you say, just gave Jack Swagger a little something to do with, with a bit of meaning.
3: This is why you have managers. Hey, you're in a great promo. We know this. Yeah. Put Zeb with him. All of a sudden, now he's fascinating. I want to bring the managers back. I really do. I mean, I, I mean, AEW has Tully, Vicky, Arn. Mm. I think there's some decent choices there.
1: AEW are leading the way with
3: it, and it's great to see. Taz, I can't, I can't freaking forget Taz. Uh. Taz is killing it. And what I look at
1: AEW's managers is that they're all pretty much all former wrestlers, all former mainstays of wrestling. So yeah. you have that legitimacy with them, like Tully leading like FTR makes sense. And Taz mm-hmm. behind like dangerous characters like Brian Cage and Ricky Starks makes sense. Vicky Guerrero as an annoying mouthpiece for Nyla Rose makes sense. Like I love mm-hmm. Jake Roberts for Lance That's, Archer. Absolutely. Makes sense. Like I love that.
3: Arn as the understated coach for Cody. Yes. He may not he may not really do a whole lot on the mic with that role, but it makes sense that he's out there. Armed with his clipboard. It's his play chart. Like
1: <laughs> I like the I like the clipboards a little the touch to that. <laughs> yeah,
3: see, it's just a little gimmick. It's like the it's like the megaphone. You gotta have a prop. Yeah, I love it. I mean it's there's a reason for all of this. There's a reason why you have managers. You don't get rid of them because it's too much like a wrestling promotion. They enhance your product.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like giving them a weapon, it's like giving them a gimmick.
3: And I gotta say, for for Jim Cornette to be on commentary, that that's great because he's a great commentator. why is he managing wrestlers more and cutting promos for them? Mm -hmm. Cornette can sell you on anything, mostly. Then especially. So speaking of wrestlers who need image enhancement, we have Diesel hanging out at NBA All-Star Weekend. Here he is with salt and Pepper. Hey, there he is with Conan O'Brien. Jenna Vaughn away from Blossom and Tatiana Ali. There's David Justice, former baseball star. Hey, Cal Ripken Jr., Danny Manning from the the L.A. Clippers. Here's David Robinson, the admiral. Here he is with all of these people. Looking so uncomfortable. (laughs) Smiling awkwardly.
1: Like, it doesn't look comfy in this environment, Diesel.
3: If you had the camera up his ass like he did at that point, you'd be uncomfortable too. Mm, That's true. (laughs) Here's Diesel in the vicinity of Will Smith. You're 20 feet apart, but look, we have both in camera range. <laughs> That's <It's>... true, actually. <laughs> All I got from this, other than the obvious what they were going for here, is the fact that Diesel was hanging out with Jenna Von Oy. So I'm thinking, oh, cool, Nash and Six. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so I was so proud of made that connection. <laughs> so we get some preemptive pyro before the main event to let us know that a big match is coming up. And hey, look, Tom, they, they got your suggestion. to print the main event match on last. Yeah, they're doing it. I was
1: genuinely ready to watch Diesel and, and Jarrett first. But look at this. They're actually putting a main event in the main event position.
3: <laughs> but on the other hand, they deprived, Rip, <laughs> they deprived Rip Rogers of being in the main event, so you got to be somewhat angry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any other week. Oh, yeah, I get
1: that. I think we could have had maybe Rip in the last – maybe – Maybe rip and bomb could have gone on after this, but nothing else. It was either rip and bomb or this, so it's fine. It's fine. And they give it a big fight. They rip and bomb. There's a sense
3: of this. It was either rip and bomb or this.
0: <laughs> I
1: didn't even cross that, my
3: mind. Who's that encapsulate this company that year? It was either rip and
1: bomb or this. This is where we're at. Welcome to the new generation. But as I said earlier on with this main event, right? God, they try. They try so hard to make this feel like a big deal. Fireworks as the announcement's happening. The the hologram of the championship in the middle of the ring. Like They just do so much around it to make it feel like a big match. But I just don't feel like it's a
3: big match. More was a lot of Gaga, a lot of pageantry, but I mean, the the point is to put Diesel over Strong over a capable opponent, mm. which I think in my, in my eyes it achieved that.
0: Yeah, now, it grant did. You
3: that, now, grant you, I didn't feel at any point. I mean, I know Diesel was going to win the, win the match, obviously, because this happened 26 years ago. I I wouldn't have felt even then that Jarrett had a chance of winning. No, but they did their best here. It's Diesel versus Jeff Jarrett for the WWF Championship. Cornette says that Jarrett has the best figure four since Buddy Rogers. Take that, you know who. <laughs> so Diesel starts out with an offensive flurry, which this is smart because how many times have you seen the babyface start off getting their ass kicked and having to fight from underneath? Not here because Diesel's seven feet tall. He should be kicking ass immediately. So, so far, the crowd's with him. This has to be stated. They actually had a crowd here that was it was all in on Big Daddy Cool. Hey. So, so, you, you good there? I'm good, sir. I'm good. I'm huh. oh, sorry. It sounds like, sound like you're mumbling to yourself.
1: No, 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 no. I'm fine. I, I had I had my water bottle near my face, so it might have sounded like I was mumbling.
3: <laughs> oh, see, I can't see you, so I don't
1: know. You, oh, All right, John Cena.
3: <laughs> well, wouldn't that be you, then? Oh, yeah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So uh Diesel's beaten Jared's ass so bad that Jared's back straps are coming loose. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, Good! Rip them off! They're awful!
3: They're awful. <laughs> you, you know what those straps look like it looks like a squid is choking him. <laughs> He's constantly
1: being choked out by a squid. <laughs> when I choose to... my ring attire I John, want it to look like, like I'm being me? constantly choked out by a squid. John, please draw that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeff Jarrett being strangled by a squid. And tag Jeff Jarrett and put no context. <laughs> 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 I do hope, and John Eileen, I love you. I do hope that sometimes these wrestlers just stumble across some of the pictures that John Eilid puts on. <laughs> just like, what?
3: i surprised John Eyley's face wasn't on the um. do not show on the Thunderdome. But, uh...
1: <laughs> John, if we get you banned from the Thunderdome, mate, I, I apologize. <laughs>
3: <laughs> local delinquent John Eyley drew a picture <laughs> today.
1: Local sexy, a...
3: local sexy delinquent John Eyley has been banned <laughs> from the WWE Thunderdome. For a... it drew it appear to be a photo of Jey Uso riding a stallion and somehow this <laughs> was perceived as a threat. (laughs) Jay Uso Uso comments on the picture saying,
1: I mean, it's one thing to be riding a stallion. I just don't know why the dragon's there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Tom shifts his eyes. (laughs) So, Jarrett takes over for a moment here. He's doing the 10-punch corner spot. Hebner pulls Jarrett by his hair off of Diesel. Oh, Hebner, man. Keep Diesel strong (laughs) by... Having the referee, uh, save his ass. So, Jared takes the referee for a bit. Rody jumps on the apron to try and attack Diesel. Gets gets smashed right into the buckles, like, hard at one point. And gets knocked off the apron. Jared attacks, but then Jared gets thrown on top of This Diesel's a house of fire at this point. He's So far, so good. hmm And then we get what is actually a very funny spot. Roadie gets up to the apron. While Jarrett's still on the floor licking his wounds, Diesel grabs Rody by the arm, trying to pull him into the ring to kick his ass. Jarrett reaches up and grabs Rody's other arm to try and prevent this from happening. Rody becomes human stretch Armstrong as Diesel keeps pulling. That ah, stretch Pulls Armstrong! R- yes. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, I see what you did there. I, I, that was pure accident. Ah, look it? at that. Pulls Rody over the top rope, drags Jarrett behind him. <laughs> This was actually kind of funny. I'm not gonna lie. Like, Vince, Vince, Vince says, "What are they doing?" And Cornette, in his half dead, people goes, "I think they're trying to kill him." Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like half incredulous. Because he's, he's like, what, "What the hell are they doing?" Because at this point, you think he'd have two dislocated shoulders. But sure enough, uh, it's still going badly for the heels. We go to break we come back? Diesel gets knocked outside. Brody gets his, at this point, patented diving apron clothesline that he does a lot, which, which I like. Jarrett takes over. Jared gets a bulldog at one point, and Diesel goes down vertically. Like, right down on top of his head. I've never seen Nash take that bump in my life. Off of anything. It's painful. Oh, yeah. But slowly but surely, Diesel starts to make the comeback. Starts firing up on all cylinders gets the emphatic side suplex gets a great big boot too i mean i mean Jarrett's great at taking bumps and selling this is weird because diesel starts doing the um fist pumping like he's revving up he's working the crowd this is like this is like his version of hulking up he's nashing up he's dieseling up yes <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's starting up the truck he's starting up the truck Start me up. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, at least Vince knows that song. So, and I should point out that all that energy that Diesel had beforehand from the crowd, where he was just House of Fire, Babyface, kicking ass, taking names, they were behind him. Now that he's doing this sort of forcible alternative to hawking up, more of a mixed reaction. Still a lot of cheers in there, but I a few. Then than the distance. Still, yeah, still a little
1: bit of uh, animosity towards him.
3: I think part of it is just because it doesn't feel natural. Mm-hmm. And so I think some fans have caught on to that. But sure enough, the jackknife finishes. Clean win for Diesel. Roadie jumps in afterwards. He eats the big boot. He gets the jackknife as well. The heels are just have been totally, thoroughly beaten. And now comes Sean and Sid to stand in the aisleway, and observe what Diesel has done. So now, if the show had ended right there, that'd have been a good ending, right?
1: That'd have been fine. Nice little tease for
3: WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Absolutely. Here's the problem. <laughs> There's still about four minutes left of the show. Is this just bad timing on their part? I think it is. Mm. I think the blue squash was supposed to go about five minutes longer. You're not laughing. Why not? You cut out. Sorry, I didn't hear the gag. Oh, I was going to say, like I said, I thought the Blues match was supposed to go about five minutes longer. Oh,
1: Christ, no.
3: That's mean. <laughs> Don't make them go any
1: longer. Jesus.
3: That was the boy, longest match of the night that was. felt like it. should have been. Damn. I mean, it had Mark Starr in it. <laughs> but boy, boy, how arrogant am I? Why aren't you laughing? Oh, <laughs> oh my! <Mark>. Like, <laughs> Actually got the silence it deserved.
0: <laughs>
3: so we come, we go to ringside after, after a break. Cornette and Vince are talking about LT for a bit, talking about next week's appearance by number 56 of the of the New York football giants. Then Sean and Sid are back at ringside now. They're just standing there. Cornette is talking about how Sid is frightening, talking about how, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to mess with this guy. I don't even want him near me. I guess doing as much as they can to try and play into the whole... He almost killed a guy a year ago. (laughs) Well, actually, overtly mentioning it. Because why would you discuss that? Yeah, why drop that even in? (laughs) We hired a guy who almost committed murder. But, but anyway. Sean and Sid wander down the ringside. Cornette is still selling Sid's, you know, scariness. Cornette takes the microphone as he's interviewing Sean. By the way, it is so funny to see Cornette and Sean... As like kayfabe friends on screen, mm. knowing the knowing what future shoot interviews we're going to hold.
1: Christ, that's true. I never even thought of that actually.
3: And Corina had a lot of venom for Sean, although I think he subsided a bit in recent years. Because I mean, time does heal some things. Yeah, uh, 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 I'm sure he's still not enamored with him. Don't get me wrong, but he gives Sean credit where it's due a lot of times. So he's he's, asking, he's, he's telling Sean to keep Sid away from him because Sean says, "Yeah, he's nuts, but that's why he's here." Sean's still talking for him while Sid stares menacingly into the lens. This was filler. They were just pat- was... they It just felt like they were padding. Yeah, this was, oh my God, we have four minutes left. What do we do? That's precisely what this was. But they got through so we... it. So, yes, you get that. LT is going to be here next week. Plus, Luger versus Tatanka next week. <laughs> next gets a little bit of hype. We show some recent. It was it action from recent videos? Action from recent videos? I think Strongbow was involved in one of them. Yes, because
1: Strongbow gets um, <clears throat> he gets tomahawk chopped by Tatanka. And Luga is outraged
3: with this. I'm supposed to boot Tatanka for hitting Strongbow. Because <laughs> Luga's outraged. Because he's like, Luga goes, Tatanka,
1: you hit a true blooded American. And there's Strongbow. Eyes shifted left to right. <laughs> I, don't <know> whether, <laughs> I don't know whether to correct you or not. <laughs>
3: you're this proud Italian I mean Native American
1: <laughs> that's like the time when uh, that's like the time at uh, Wayne Manor where the guests and Bruce Wayne and Alfred are all sat around the table and Alfred went Batman can you pass the mustard well, was Alfred
3: Jim fired on the spot
1: I just don't know whether to look up or not <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, Alfred Pennyworth or, or Pennyworthless huh, huh, huh. hey get in lad Be a- Yes, next week Luger we'll vs. Tatanka in our attempt to not have an audience.
1: Because <laughs> What better way to celebrate 100 episodes of Raw than with Tatanka and Luger, my way or the highway? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, the highway it is.
1: <laughs>
3: <Yes>. <laughs> and that's how we fade out for this week.
1: Oh, so that's this week's episode of Raw. Um, we will be joined for episode 100 because um, Sydney Summerwitz is meant to be with us this week. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't pan out. Um, I think we should invite her on for episode 100. What do you reckon?
3: I think we should, too. I'd love to have her on.
1: Let's share the glory. And uh, what I'd like from you over the next couple of days, you, Justin, and everybody else, uh, tweet us with your favourite memories or your favourite moments from the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. Gags that still make you laugh. Photoshops from John Iley that still make you smile. And uh, we'll reflect on some of our favourite bits on episode 100 of the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim's up there, obviously. Um, yeah. Anything involving John and a Dragon. I think the the extended rant that we went on with Conrad and Bluetooth adverts from Monday Night Raw, <laughs> a particular favorite <laughs> of
3: mine. You know it's harder to get through 100 episodes of a mediocre TV show?
0: <laughs>
1: as
3: hard as you're going to be when you take... <laughs> <laughs> Your bam, junk bam. is going to be massive.
1: Stop talking about <laughs> your dick, Conrad! <laughs> and you, Jim!
0: <laughs>
1: off so
3: if Sid she, had taken Blue Shoe that night in Blackburn, he could have put it. Never mind. They
1: call it Blue Burn. <laughs> he never
3: would have left his ring by, guys. <laughs>
1: they got it
3: Purple Burn.
1: They got it Carpet Burn. Um. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, on that bombshell, send us your send us your favourite moments from this ramshackle podcast. I'd love to hear them. And until next time, he is at JRHWriting Writing on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Tug We are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Hundred episodes next week. How have we done that? This is literally longer than at least two of my relationships. Love you, bye.
3: gravis or lambert eden syndrome and medications including botulinum toxins as these may increase the risk of serious side effects for full safety information visit botoxcosmetic.com or call 877 351
2: see for yourself at botoxcosmetic.com
1: for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes search cultaholic wrestling news on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from